This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. Hello and welcome to ILTV Zion News on the Blaze Radio Network. Coming up in today's newscast, an Israeli soldier is wounded on the border of Lebanon. A second controversial UNESCO resolution is passed and will reveal how American and Israeli veterans are helping each other heal. I'm Natasha Kirchak here with the latest news in Israel. An Israeli soldier sustained late wounds this afternoon when gunmen on the other side of the Lebanon border opened fire. An Israeli military unit was working on the northern security fence when a passing vehicle on Lebanese territory began shooting. The IDF soldiers immediately returned fire, reportedly striking the vehicle. One soldier suffered shrapnel wounds to his hand and was evacuated for medical treatment at a nearby hospital. All local farmers and other residents were instructed to leave the area, which is near the northern Israeli city of Metula. Lebanese news outlets reported multiple Israeli aircraft in the skies after the shooting. This incident development comes less than 24 hours after a contractor working for the defense ministry was killed near the southern security fence by gunfire from Egyptian security forces. Investigation is continuing into the circumstances of both cases. It's been just one week since UNESCO's executive board sent Israel into an outrage after ratifying a controversial resolution that ignored Jewish and Christian ties to Jerusalem's holiest sites. Now, a new resolution has just been passed by the body's World Heritage Committee, again ignoring the Jewish link to the Temple Mount. The resolution called Old City of Jerusalem and Its Walls accuses Israel of various violations and refers to the Temple Mount exclusively by its Muslim names. The beloved holy site to both Jews and Christians alike is even solely defined as a Muslim holy site of worship. Unlike last week's resolution, this resolution does not mention the importance of Jerusalem's old city for the three monotheistic religions. At the opening of today's vote, the Turkish chairperson of the World Heritage Committee proposed that the resolution be adopted by consensus, which would have made it seem as though the resolution's passage was a unanimous decision. But Tanzania and Croatia asked for a secret ballot, paving the way for abstentions in the vote. In the end, 10 of the committee's 21 member states voted in favor of the resolution, while eight abstained and only two opposed the text. Although there were frantic Israeli attempts to convince some of the states to oppose the resolution, very few Israeli leaders were shocked by its adoption. 
Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu is calling the vote absurd, saying that, quote, while extremist Muslim forces are destroying mosques and churches, Israel is the only country in the Middle East that protects them and allows freedom of worship. The Israeli leader is calling the resolution a diplomatic jihad against the Jewish and Christian people. Yesterday, an Israeli Bedouin teen was killed while working on Israel's security fence along the Egyptian border. Today, he will be buried in his hometown of Lakia, but there are still some major questions surrounding the circumstances of his death. 15-year-old Nimer Bassem Abu Ammar had just begun working at the site for a subcontractor known to his family when he was asked to make coffee for his fellow laborers. He then stepped outside the fence, although witnesses say he was still within Israel's borders. An Egyptian soldier across the border allegedly shouted at him to return to the Israeli side, and then a shot rang out, hitting the teen who died a short time later. The IDF force that responded to the incident reportedly did not return fire because the shooting stopped almost immediately after it started. The Egyptian Sinai Peninsula lies just across Israel's border with Egypt, and the area has seen rising tensions as the Egyptian army battles insurgent jihadist groups in the area. An investigation into this particular incident is ongoing as police look into why a miner was employed by a subcontractor at the site in violation of labor laws. The boy's father is accusing the IDF of failing to protect the workers and his eldest son. Members of the Knesset have sent their condolences to the family, and many have expressed anger at the defense ministry for employing a minor. Yet no Israeli officials have clarified whether or not the workers were accompanied by an armed escort during their work, or even if their work was coordinated with Egyptian officials. Earlier in the day, Egyptian security officials claimed a group of smugglers on the border opened fire at the Israeli contractors. But the Israeli army has not commented on the claims. Palestinian protesters were shot at by their own security forces in the West Bank last night during a violent demonstration against the sudden dismissal of a popular lawmaker from the ruling Fatah party of PA President Mahmoud Abbas. At least two people were wounded when Palestinian troops opened fire. The clashes first broke out in Al-Amari, near Ramallah, when the PA tried to shut down a march in support of Jihad Tumale. It was reportedly the Palestinian president himself who kicked Tumale out of Fatah on Saturday, after the legislator urged Abbas to restore party unity by reconciling with his exiled chief political rival Mohammed Dahlan. Additional riots broke out in other Arab areas in Jenin and near Nablus. Meanwhile, the security forces also arrested Fatah's official spokesperson in Jerusalem last night for having participated in another rally in support of the dismissed politician. Abbas has hated Dahlan for years and even made public accusations that he may have poisoned late PLO leader Yasser Arafat in 2004. After leaders of several Arab states also pushed him to make peace with Dahlan, Abbas shot back that they have no right to dictate anything to the Palestinians. The U.S. presidential election is less than a month away, and the polls couldn't be closer. Candidates Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump differ on practically every stance, making it even harder to choose between them for the average voter who falls in the center gray areas. Well, our guest today, Sheldon Shore, has spent 30 years as a Democratic representative in Israel, and hopefully he can shed some light on this year's election. Thanks so much for coming in. Pleasure. 
So to begin, as we said, the polls are shifting left and right, and it's hard to predict the outcome. Hillary Clinton is now polling at around 50%, uh, while Trump trails closely behind with 45%. Why do you think there aren't more ex people that are excited for Hillary Clinton? Okay. First of all, I don't think the polls really aren't that close. Uh, in a lot of, in the major things, for the important things, the polls are actually pretty far away. Uh, I know that the, general, the New York Times, for example, has a poll which it tries to predict who's going to win, and Hillary Clinton is leading now by 93% to, to uh, Trump's 7%. You know, that's, that shows a great disparity. So uh, it's, but yeah, there is a question here. How come it's only 5%? Why isn't it more than 15%? Trump is really a very, very bad candidate. He, I've never heard so many people say, uh, and I'm talking about responsible organizations, saying that this is the worst presidential candidate ever put up by a national party ever in the history. Uh, the things that he said and the things that he's done is just absolutely reprehensible. So why isn't Hillary even further? I, I, I wonder that. Uh, one possible reason is just simply the cycles. You know, generally, after two elections, they, the country likes to have another change. After two, after two very successful uh, terms by Bill Clinton, we had uh, George Bush Jr. And after two dreadful, <laughs> miserable uh, terms, we changed to uh, the Democratic end, uh, nominee, who was uh, Obama. So there, there are these cycles, and Americans apparently like it. So maybe, and we see one of the reasons why Donald Trump himself made it uh, above 16 other uh, candidates is because he's an outsider, because there's a deep dislike, in, uh, especially in middle America, especially in white, uh, uh, uneducated America, working-class, blue-collar America, that they feel that something is wrong, and they, they think that Washington is corrupt. And since it was basically the Republican Congress, they're against the Republican leadership, and they, and they chose an outsider. And Trump is a very attractive, he's got a strong personality, so he got it. Uh, just one thing I just want to correct, I, I, today I'm not an official representative of the Democratic Party, I just wanted to clarify that. Got it. Okay. So many Israelis are very critical of Obama's policies towards the Jewish state, and there have been many comparisons made between his administration and the one that Hillary Clinton would eventually have if she were to become president. Now, she's also a noted supporter of the Iranian nuclear deal, which is very much hated, uh, wildly unpopular here in Israel. Why do you think a Clinton White House would be better for Israel than a Trump White House? Oh, for a number of reasons. First of all, I do, I support the, uh, I have to put out right now, I support the Iranian deal, and I strongly disagree with the with your characterization of Obama as not being uh, good for Israel. I think Obama's been one of the very strongest presidents for Israel. I think that he's helped Israel's uh, military. He was one of the, the biggest But many backers. Israelis feel that he wasn't strong. That's right. not me that's specifically. A, okay, that's so, fine. It's a, it's a, it's a mis uh, misapprehension. He has he has he has built he is the main, one of the main financers uh, of the Iron Dome project, and we saw how in the last war how important the Iron Dome project was to present Israel. He has given Israel advanced weaponry such as the F thirty five fighter, such as uh, cluster bombs, which the previous president uh, refused to give. Uh, he is uh, so he's just given the the largest uh, uh, award, I mean foreign aid package given to any country ever. Uh, we've seen that. He is the only president since Harry Truman, the only president that during his term and two terms, that not a single decision has come out of the UN Security Council against Israel. He has had Israel's back in the Security Council all the way through. 
the two things that, that there is a disagreement with, with the current administration, which is right-wing, whereas he is more left-wing, is one, over the issue of settlements. He is against settlements. Uh, he's been against settlements from the very beginning. In 2008, he was against settlements, and he said it. He even said, one does not have to be a Likudnik in order to love Israel. This is simply is the thing. And by the way, his view is shared by probably half of the Israelis. So I, you can't say he's anti-Israeli for that. The other thing was the, it's a nuclear, it was the deal with Iran. All right? It's not the deal that I would have liked. It's not the deal that I think even he would have liked. It's the deal that we're able to get. I can tell you that if we did not have that deal with Iran, then today Iran would be putting the finishing touches on its atomic bomb. I don't think that that is in the good interest of Israel. This is the best deal available. But there is a big difference between a Clinton, uh, the Clinton presidency and the Obama presidency. Obama came in in 2008 at a time when America was being, uh, was, was, was being beaten in Iraq and Afghanistan. Americans did not want foreign wars or foreign entanglements. And there was a difficulty in even doing so because there was no money. I mean, America was in the end of, was at the beginning of, in the middle of a tremendous financial crisis, the worst since, uh, since the Depression. It couldn't afford a foreign war. Americans didn't want a foreign war. And Clint and uh, Obama, of his own nature, is not a warrior. His nature is, is to try uh, negotiations for peace. So therefore, there was no, there was less of a use of on the emphasis on the military. Today is different from them. America is stronger. The economy is just about back to where it, it should have been. We're out of Iraq, essentially. Uh, so at this point, may have to go back in again. But at this point, uh, America, I, I perceive the Clinton administration would be probably more hawkish and more prone to use the military than, uh, than there. Now let's talk a little bit about some of the allegations stemming from Senator Clinton's hacked emails uh, showing ties between the Clinton Foundation and terror-supporting countries, including Qatar and Saudi Arabia. There was also many allegations regarding rigging the DNC to beat Senator Bernie Sanders. And, you know, Hillary Clinton has been tied to a lot of uh, scandals. What evidence proves to you that a Hillary Clinton presidency won't be marked with corruption? Oh, please, come on, that's, that's, you know, you, you mix up so many different things. Uh, there's no reason to, uh, there's no reason to believe that. First of all, let's say, for example, you mentioned Qatar. Did you know, first of all, what was, what was the, uh, the Qatar uh, contribution? It was a large contribution. They said, they wrote in the, the email that was intercepted, which, if it is true, and again, this comes from WikiLeaks and they can come from anybody. I can make up something and tell it to you right now and you don't have to believe it. But... The Qatar offered a, uh, a gift, I believe, of a million dollars to the Clinton Foundation. And they wanted to, to give it to Bill Clinton on his birthday. And uh, they wanted five minutes with, with Bill Clinton, not Hillary, with Bill Clinton, in order to have a photograph taken with him and to present him with him to check. One of the reasons why that, is, that, that gift was legal and ethical is because it was the same sort of gift that they've given in the past. The year before, they also gave one to, uh, to Bill Clinton uh, in the same amount. So a gift that was given from a foreign country. To, so to somehow make from that, wait, money was given under the table, there was some sort of, you know, this is, you know, uh, conspiracy theorists can come up and come with all sorts of nonsense. The fact of the matter is the Clintons themselves have been examined more than I think any other family in history from the day one that they came in in 1992, Bill Clinton. So there was a, a, an examination of the Whitewater scandal. It ended up with nothing. 
There was the, this whole talk of Benghazi in the emails. It was investigated in the Congress. The Republican Congress investigated uh, Hillary Clinton for more than a year and spent more money and more time than any other investigation, including the JFK assassination, including the 9-11, uh, and nothing came out of it. The FBI investigated her. Nothing came out of it. So to, to somehow say just because there were charges, there were charges by political enemies of, of, of corruption, there is no evidence of it. You want some corruption? Why not check the, the Trump Foundation? Ask why Trump took $100,000 out of his foundation to pay for a personal debt. He owed money for a fine to, uh, to a city because he of a building, uh, violated a building ordinance. So he took money out of there. He paid for a painting for himself and, and other things. Uh, someone contributed to there, someone who owed him money. So instead of paying him, pay to there and get a charitable contribution. I believe that's probably why he's under investigation by the IRS, this famous audit that's going on. So if you want some corruption, you know where to look. Now, oftentimes, one of the greatest threats to any presidential campaign is voter turnout. What would you say to those undecided people who aren't sure who they want to vote for, especially those who are based here in Israel and are considering whether or not they want Hillary Clinton to be the next president or Donald Trump? All right. Number one, I strongly urge any American living in Israel to vote. And I say that whether or not they support Hillary Clinton, as they should, or Donald Trump. But they should vote. I think it's very important that politicians in America get the message that there are voters in Israel, not just political interests, not just national geopolitical interests, but American politicians listen to voters. If they know that there are 200 or 300,000 voters in Israel and they care about the vote and they care about their politics and will vote in a certain way, I think that's an important message. Secondly, I think that's very important for them to support uh, uh, Hillary Clinton, as, as I say. I think that she is a very solid uh, uh, supporter of Israel and will be a good president uh, for the United States and a good president uh, for Israel. Uh, as for Donald Trump, I don't know. I don't know what his position is. I know that one day he says he'll be even-handed towards the Israel and the politician. The next day he says, no, no, I'm really in favor of Israel. One day he says, Israel should pay back three and a half billion dollars that we've given to them, uh, as opposed to uh, Obama, who's given $35 billion, $38 billion over 10 years. Uh, I don't know what he's going to say in the next two weeks. I'm, I doubt he knows what he's going to say in the next two weeks. So I think if you're looking for a reliable partner, I urge the Americans in Israel to vote for Hillary Clinton. Well, thank you so much for coming in, and I guess we're just going to have to see what happens. Okay, great. Thanks. Lots of soldiers from around the world returned from the battlefield suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. And now a New Jersey nonprofit organization is bringing some of those American veterans to Israel for healing. Heroes to Heroes was founded by the daughter of a World War II veteran, Judy Schaefer, who said she felt she had to do something to help wounded American soldiers. She believed the spiritual power of the Holy Land she experienced after coming to Jerusalem as a teenager would help the vets, and incorporated a visit to Israel as part of the treatment program. Now groups of 10 female war veterans are being brought to the Beit HaLochem, House of Warriors Rehabilitation Center in Tel Aviv, which works to help Israel's own wounded troops. The Americans and the Israelis are able to share their experiences that many say civilians just can't understand. As part of the emotional and spiritual healing, some participants take the opportunity to be baptized in the Jordan River or plant trees in memory of their fallen comrades. 
One young American servicewoman spoke to NBC News about how impressed she was by the supportive bond shared by the women who served in the Israeli army. She said she wished women in the U.S. could share the same kind of amazing connection. Earlier this month, 63 Ethiopian Jews finally made it to Israel after waiting for years to immigrate to the Holy Land. Now, the International Christian Embassy is working to bring the remaining Jews in Ethiopia back home to Israel. Ethiopian-born Sigal Kanotopsky is the head of the project, and she sat down with ILTV's Steve Leibowitz to talk about how to aid the absorption process once the newcomers arrive. Yes, We are working with Ethiopian university graduates and students uh, excellence one, and we help them to open doors in the Israeli w work uh, force and to find suitable, suitable and uh, quality job in the Israeli market. But also, at the same time, we're working with employers and the Israeli society, with the CEOs and the deputy CEO of the Israeli market and uh, the leaders, to be exposed to the, this younger's ambition and the strength of the Ethiopian community. The side that you, you know, you, we cannot see in the media or and we are not exposed to. So we're saying we came to, as an organization, we came to tell the right narrative of the Ethiopian community here in Israel today. And we want to, uh, uh, that our graduates will be the leaders of the Israeli society in a few years. And we can, we can see this even today. You know, one, uh, we have almost 1,000 graduates working in the forefront. 1,000 Ethiopian Jews who have graduated from college. Absolutely. Graduate from college and working in a suitable job in their field of study in the Israeli market, in a business sector, in the public sector, in the private sector, and leading staffs, non-Ethiopian, and leading, you know, in their professional uh, uh, field of study, and working and leading the Israeli society and the Israeli market. But as I say, uh, this is not the, uh, the story or the uh, uh, side about the Ethiopian community that you will see. In the no, what we hear about is discrimination, about perhaps police discrimination, pulling Ethiopians over for no reason, suspecting them, racism in the Israeli society. And your experience is? Our experience is we know that there is racism. We are not ignored from the challenges. There is racism, there is uh, uh, discrimination, there is prejudging. But we say there is many other good things about this beautiful uh, uh, community and the beautiful success of the Ethiopian community in Israel today and we can you know we are that's what I, where, where, what I am doing and my staff doing every day and we need to bring this strength and this beauty and these treasures of the Ethiopian community uh, uh, to the Israeli society and Israeli market to the uh, front of the uh, uh, story. In the past in recent in, in earlier rounds of immigration. It seemed like the immigrants were all placed together in kind of camps, um, isolated in kind of their own little ghetto, you could say. Uh, the, there are going to be 1,400 new immigrants uh, arriving uh, from Ethiopia in the, in the coming period. What will be the model? What will, how, how will that absorption process take place? Um, I, I just I'm not involved with this uh, uh, immigration uh, now, but I can say that I hope they won't do the same mistake that they did with the earlier Aliyah to Israel to say not to think in a point uh, point of view of groups. Okay, there are individuals uh, to give the need, the right needs 
the right solution to the right needs and not just the same you know solution to many uh, issues and many problems and you know hopefully that someone there uh, uh, studied the uh, did homework and not uh, won't do the same uh, mistakes tell us a little bit about your own alias story I mean you have a last name that's Kanatopsky. Uh, that certainly uh, does not sound like an Ethiopian name. No, it's not a typical Ethiopian name. This is my uh, other side, my uh, second best, my husband, that is uh, with the Polish uh, urgence, uh, Polish uh, resource. And I'm, this is the beautiful, beautiful, uh, the beautiful of the Israeli society today and the beautiful of the... E you have children together? We have four kids. And those four kids, do they consider themselves to be uh, children of... Ethiopia, of, of Ethiopian background? As my uh, eight years old uh, son, or say, I am half Ethiopian, half Ashkenazi, and uh, whole, I mean, uh, uh, um, say, a complete Israeli. So I'm half Ethiopian, half Ashkenazi, but a complete Israeli. So I'm whole Israeli. So they're growing up with the, we're not doing issues from the uh, the fact that I'm Ethiopian and my husband is Ashkenazi. It is the way. they going up in a very natural home. There is father, there is mother, there is uh, uh, things that uh, we, you know, we are mentioning, uh, ceremonies that we are mentioning that we are bringing from my uh, background. Same with my husband's background, but this is the Israeli. So there's pride in the background, but there's also an interest to integrate into the Israeli society. Yeah, they're Israeli. They're not Ethiopian. They're not Ashkenazi, my kid. They're Israeli with the whole, what it's mean, you know, the whole story of to be Israeli today, to be, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, integrated from all these beautiful and, uh, uh, you know, differences uh, that we have here today. Well, thank you so much and good luck with your work. And now for the Hebrew word of the day. Earlier this morning, UNESCO passed another resolution claiming that the Temple Mount and its walls were purely Muslim holy sites, ignoring the actual truth that Jerusalem's old city is greatly important to Jews, Christians, Muslims, and many more faiths. So today's word is be'etzem, or actually. Broken down, the word etzem means bone, so be'etzem is within the bone. This means that it's the core, the center, and the truth of a thing. Maybe that's why it's no coincidence that otzem, meaning strength or power, comes from the same root letters. Because what could be more powerful than the truth? So whether you're correcting the decision of a worldwide organization or just being honest about not wanting pasta for dinner, don't forget how to say be'etzem lo, or actually, no. Let's go ahead and take a look at the weather forecast. ILTV's weather forecast is sponsored by Adopt-a-Safta, taking care of Israel's lonely Holocaust survivors. Tonight we can expect clear skies with a high of 80 degrees. Tomorrow will be mostly cloudy with an additional rise in temperatures and a chance for scattered showers. All right, everybody, that's it for today's news. Today's exchange rate is 3.85 shekels to the American dollar. Remember to sign up for our daily newsletter at ILTV.TV, and don't forget to check out our next update at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks for watching, and see you tonight. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com.
Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply.